Welcome to the History of the World podcast. My name is Chris and this is the History of the World Unscripted. Welcome to this very special Christmas week episode of the History of the World podcast. And at the moment we're not publishing new material, just so you know. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, this is not a new material podcast. This is just a fill-in podcast, which we do when we're just transitioning from one volume to another. Currently at the moment we've got a full volume of podcasts regarding the prehistoric era of human history. So there's a 24 podcast volume which takes us right from the dawn of evolution of human beings with the Australopithecines three million years ago right through to the end of the Neolithic and the, uh, the beginnings of the Bronze Age and the ancient cultures. So that will be the subject for our new volume of podcasts which will happen in the new year sometime. And it will concentrate initially on the Sumerians and all of the wonderful stuff that we get with that after the Jemdet Nazar period of Sumerian history. We're looking at the dynastic, the early dynastic Sumerians. So previous to the Akkadian, um, the Akkadian invasion of Sumeria. So that period will be the first one that we discuss in our very first podcast of volume two. And we'll be looking at things that point us in the direction of learning about these uh, these cultures, such as the Sumerian King List and the Epic of Gilgamesh, etc. So something to really look forward to. Um, this week, what I thought I might do, because I've been mentioning it quite a lot, and it doesn't have a place in the story of human history, but it's always been a story that's absolutely fascinated me, and not not. I love reading about it just for the sheer gravity of the whole uh, the whole story. And it, that's Piltdown Man. Now, I mentioned it in last week's episode. And what I intend to do is introduce you to a couple of resources that I've really enjoyed using. So there's a documentary which some of you may have watched called uh, The Evolution from Ape to Man, I believe it is. I'm going to post a link to that on the blog and on the Facebook page just so that you can enjoy it as I did. And a lot of the characters um, that I have spoken about during the uh, during the prehistoric volume of podcasts, people like uh, Jean Dubois, people like Raymond Dart, the discovery of Lucy, the Australopithecus uh, afarensis, they're all contained within this documentary. So really it's a documentary of the history of paleoanthropology since Charles Darwin's publications in the mid-19th century. I strongly recommend you watch it because it really does find the place where Piltdown Man slots into the whole paleoanthropological story, which we couldn't do in the manner in which we presented the prehistoric world in volume one. So... That's something I'll post for you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Piltdown Man story this week. So 
this podcast is not completely unscripted. There, a little bit of cheating's gone on. I've written a little bit of a script. And then also, I'm going to point you in the direction of uh, certainly one of the podcasts that I've enjoyed myself over the years. Uh, it's called Stuff uh, You Missed in History Class. And it's presented by two ladies, Tracy V. Wilson and Holly Frey, who, it is, well, I'll be honest with you, it's one of the best history podcasts out there. So I'm going to um, post a link to their Piltdown Man episode. And then hopefully, if you've never heard this podcast before, it should open up an absolute wealth of history podcasts. It's extremely informative. It's very well researched and well presented. Uh, two ladies who present the podcast with a lot of energy and a lot of banter between them both and it's it's an excellent excellent podcast so i strongly recommend it and it's and their their piltdown man podcast is excellent and it will give you much more information about the piltdown man hoax and uh, how the whole paleoanthropological um, study of science was diverted was skewed for a good 40 years before the truth finally came out and we was able to piece the stories of our paleoanthropological history together properly. Let me tell you a bit about Piltdown Man, so the background behind this uh, whole hoax. So if we go way back to 1859, Charles Darwin published On the Origin of Species, which was a book that excited the scientific community into developing a hunger for discovering the fossils that would prove the evolution of men from ape ancestors. So Charles Darwin's publication on the origin of species and the descent of man really started people getting excited about this. And this was a couple of short years after the fossils were found in the Neander Valley that were human but different. And later they would be called Homo neanderthalensis. And over the years we would learn so much about them. So it's very much a uh, not a lot was known about the Neanderthal fossils at the time and that knowledge has developed over the years but it was contemporary with the publication of Charles Darwin's book so this whole paleoanthropological field of study really was born in the 1850s. In 1891 our good friend from episode 4 from volume 1 episode 4 Eugène Dubois discovered fossils which he was determined to prove to be the missing link between apes and humans. So this was really what the scientific community were looking for, the missing link that Charles Darwin theorised about in his literature, the missing link between humans and apes. So we were looking for that fossil that had characteristics from both. Eugène Dubois would spend his entire life trying to convince the scientific community that he'd found the answer to this big question with his discoveries in Trinil in Java in Indonesia. The scientific world was very sceptical about Dubois' discoveries regarding uh, the missing link, but if anyone dare think that the scientific world was going to be anything other than sceptical, then they were probably deluded or they were up to something. For Dubois, he was possibly deluded by his own unbridled passion for becoming the man to be credited with discovering the missing link. For others, there may have been a desire to be far more calculated in their attempt to cheat the scientific community. And so it began in 1912. A British amateur archaeologist called Charles Dawson became known as the man who discovered the skull of the missing link. 
when he and his team presented the Piltdown Man to the world. The fossils discovered were of a skull cap and a jawbone and a reconstructed skull was created using these discoveries. The name Piltdown Man is given in reference to the quarries of Piltdown in Sussex in the United Kingdom. And a retrospective timeline of events was presented detailing the discoveries leading up to the presentation. So there was a whole story of how Dawson found these fossils and wrote a letter to a gentleman called Woodward and uh, together they assembled a team of experts who presented Piltdown Man as the missing link to the public. Piltdown Man, however, was difficult to study. So the, uh, the fossils were very well protected. After its presentation to the world, access to the evidence was very limited. However, there was a weight of media which reported the finds to be legitimate. And so this was something that certain areas of the British scientific community promoted. However, there are other scientists who often have a desire to be completely scientific, God bless them, and simply wanted an opportunity just to study the fossils. Now, if you were going to present a false claim to the world and you were worried that the wider community would begin to listen to those scientists who would talk suspiciously of Piltdown Man, then you may decide that you need to present more evidence. Sure enough, over the course of the next four years, more artefacts would emerge. A tool made from an elephant bone and some more skull fragments from a creature named Piltdown 2 were discovered. We would later on uh, discover that all of these were fake hoaxes. During the 1920s, the momentum for Piltdown Man was considerable. It suited many parties for the missing link to be discovered by British people in Britain itself. And for some, it was great for Britain that this nonsense about humans originating in Africa was being ignored. For those who doubted Piltdown Man as being a fake, the discovery of Piltdown 2 fossils should be enough to convince them otherwise. Therefore, when the Australian archaeologist um, Raymond Dart, who we discussed in episode uh, 2, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, when he made discoveries of what would prove to be a genuine candidate for the missing link between apes and humans in South Africa in 1924, he was met by so much criticism and scepticism from the scientific community. It did not suit the pro-Piltdown scientists to acknowledge Raymond Dart's discovery as significant, and it was much easier to dismiss it as just another ape. Dart's discovery would later be accepted as a genuine fossil linked to the story of human evolution, but not until a considerable amount of years later. Going back, even Eugène Dubois' fossil discoveries from the 1890s that would ultimately be recognised as Homo erectus would have been contrary to the pro-Piltdown story of evolution, so that would have suffered a lot of damage due to the Piltdown man hoax. Piltdown did not fit in with the rest of these evolutionary discoveries from Africa and Asia and suggested that human evolution took place in Britain and Europe, something which we now believe to not be possible. Shortly after Raymond Dart's Australopithecus discoveries, 
it was reported that the sediment layers that Piltdown Man was found in were questionable in terms of their age, and it was believed that they were too recent, that there was still an attempt by British scientists to hush this up almost as if they knew that the whole Piltdown Man excavation was questionable. We were desperately trying to ignore all these clues for as long as possible to suit the desire to keep Britain looking great. It wasn't until the 1940s that the technology existed to be able to really challenge the validity of the Piltdown Man fossils. And over the course of the years 1949 to 1953, there was an interest in using modern techniques to find out the truth about the bones. And it turned out that they were relatively recent and not prehistoric at all. The bones have been carefully and deliberately stained to make them appear to be older than they were. The teeth were carefully and deliberately filed and filled to make them look as though they belonged to the mandible, which actually belonged to an orangutan when examined as a standalone bone. The bones were carefully and deliberately broken to prevent conversation about whether the human skull and the ape mandible actually fitted together or not. So this was what the problem was. It was a human skull and an ape jawbone fitted together. This was what Piltdown Man actually was. So he fitted an ape bone to a human bone and said it was a missing link, said it was it was something that was a transitional um, animal. It was by all accounts a very carefully constructed hoax and at long last over 40 years afterwards it was initially presented, it turned out to be exposed. It survived due to very clever planning and a lack of technology at the time to disprove it and also a movement within British science to promote it and a lack of ability by those British and non-British scientists to gain access to it and even a lack of general paleontological knowledge to challenge it. The sheer cheek of the Piltdown Man hoax has resonated since its occurrence. There's been more distrust and scepticism since it happened regarding what lengths scientists are prepared to go to to be believed. It was a shameful episode in British scientific history and one to be forgotten and once it was exposed as being a hoax other discoveries that should have received more credit such as Raymond Darts Australopithecus Africanus were given the credit and status that they truly deserved. What an incredible story and what an incredible mark on British scientific history and paleoanthropological studies. Now, I never find it easy to say that word. I almost have to re-record it about 20 times. Paleoanthropological uh, discoveries that really did have a, a massive impact on that whole field of study since Charles Darwin's publications. So I'm going to post a couple of links on the blog and on the Facebook site that will give you a lot more to get your get your teeth stuck into uh, regarding these um, Piltdown Man and the paleoanthropological history of discovery. So I highly recommend them. So I've been chasing after some people this week on behalf of John Martinson's uh, grub truck, Hominin. Um, we're trying to discover exactly what kind of animal this is. So those of you who are familiar will know that I've been posting this picture that John Martinson kindly um, forwarded to me. John Martinson is a History of the World podcast listener and um, he's asked me whether I have an opinion as to what this animal is on the side of the grub truck outside uh, a university in Idaho. 
I've been desperately trying to find out and I've contacted a couple of experts. One of them is Darcy Shapiro, who's an evolutionary anthropological um, expert who's um, got a PhD in, in evolutionary anthropology. Um, and I asked her what she thought the animal was. Her reply was she believed that it could be a Homo erectus. So that's um, that's interesting. That was something I thought it could be a Homo erectus. Um, she did um, comment on how tasty his snack looked as well. So like, thank you, Darcy, for that um, scientific observation. And um, that's uh, that helps us. However, I did also receive some more feedback uh, from uh, Tanya M. Smith, Dr. Tanya M. Smith, who's um, who's based in Australia. She's a uh, human evolutionary biologist. So if we're ever going to get any uh, sensible answers, you know, Dr. Tanya M. Smith is certainly right up there. What she said is, um, well, if you want to consider it to scale, it's tall enough to be a Homo erectus, but the face is pretty massive with a projecting muzzle like an Australopithecine. Uh, so she thinks we're safe to say that the artist has made a composite human ancestor. Well, listen, that's really thrown it open because I know John Martinson originally thought it might be an Australopithecine. Um, I debunked that by saying that I thought it was too upright and it was a Homo erectus. And now Dr. Tanya M. Smith has said it could be a composite animal. So the mystery continues anyway that's enough about that i'm gonna go now because um i've taken up far too much of your time i'll be back next week to give you further updates with everything going on relating to history of the world podcast i'd like to take this opportunity to thank you ever so much for all of your support and uh throughout this whole year and wish you all the most wonderful christmas and i'll speak to you all again soon the History of the World podcast is hosted by Audioboom. It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Podcast Republic, Stitcher and TuneIn. You can also find it on Deezer, Google Podcasts and Radio Public. Feel free to email the show at History of the World Podcast at mail.com. Join our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter.